You got your Bibles, John chapter 4. Let's start with verse 1. John chapter 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea, departed again into Galilee. Verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it, thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Skip over to verse 29. Come... See a man, this is the end of the story, this is her. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. I want to preach here this morning, the need determined the visit. The need determined. Visit. If you would, just lift your hands again. And let's just thank God for His Word. We lift our hands as a sign of surrender to Him and to His Word. It's preparation. God, I, I submit myself to Your Word. Speak to me today. God, I ask You for Your anointing to flow. Your Word is already anointed, but anoint our minds, our heart, our spirit. Let a spirit of unity be amongst us today, dwelling amongst us today. I ask You in the name of Jesus, we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus, who was fully God, never did anything by accident. Everything that you read in the New Testament, every story you read about Jesus and his men reflecting or writing or speaking as they're hearing him talk, There's a purpose in what he did. He never just went down the road by accident and showed up unexpectedly. But everything he spoke of and he did was with a very defined objective at the end. When you read the parables, many times we... It's kind of like the book of Leviticus. You kind of just scan it real fast because or first chapter of Matthew, all the begats and the begats and the begats. And you kind of just scan it real quick and think there's not a, a meaning in there, but there is. 
There's a reason for it all. And when he spoke in these parables, in these different uh, stories that he would relate, uh, parables are heavenly impartations that he's trying to give through an earthly vernacular or earthly uh, explanation. He'll use symbolism and, 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 and farming and seed and trees and all this stuff because he's trying to impart to the people the deeper divine reason for it. And in all of this, it's no different with this story about this lady. And what strikes me is, is kind of ironic in this story. Uh, if you read it, it, it's one of those, again, that uh, if you read it more topically, it, it kind of just flies by when he starts talking about living water. Who ever heard of water alive? Come on, somebody. Y'all better help me now this morning. I ain't never seen a uh, drop of water breathe. I ain't never seen water move other than gravity pulling it a certain way. So when he speaks of all this stuff, living water, and, and he speaks of these symbolic meat, what, what is Jesus after? There's a reason for all that. I've had uh, Bible studies and different things that we've taught, and, and, and Jesus is many times speaking symbolically of things. And this text is no different. He is speaking of the target that's coming. He's speaking of the mission and the goal that's coming down the road when he talks about living water. I know in the scripture a lot of times it talks about, and even in this text later on, if I get to it, uh, the latter part of this, it says God is a spirit. But when it says that statement, God is a spirit, God doesn't have any uh, hands and head and different things of that nature. And these human terms that many times we ascribe to God, again, are symbolic. It's trying to show us an attribute of God that we had not previously seen. I, a conversation not too long ago about the right hand of God. And uh, then the other one talks about head. I was in a Bible study. It talks about the, the heel will bruise the head, the prophecy in, in Genesis. And, and, and these are symbolisms. They are examples of what he's trying to confer to you and I that's coming down the road. Bible talks about it as prophetic anticipation. It's basically God giving us a clue right now that there's a plan coming down the road. And what you and I need to understand from the very beginning of this service today is there's a plan that God has. Whether you see it today or not, there's a plan that God's got for you and I down the road. If God did it then in the New Testament, He did it in Genesis, then it has not changed because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God had a plan then, then God's got a plan now. And because you're not Jacob, Abraham, or Isaac, or Paul, or Timothy, that doesn't exclude you and I from being in a plan that God has for you and I. you got breath in your body. God's got a plan. God's got a process. God's got something that he's trying to do for you and I that we don't normally see in our just human terms. God will speak it symbolically. He will speak it with, with metaphors. He'll speak it, as one writer said, it's anthropomorphic, basically saying he'll ascribe human terms to something you can't understand. I alluded to the right hand of God in the head. God's a spirit. He don't have a head. God don't have a hand. It's a spirit. We're, we're, we've been watching Casper too much. You see Casper with a hand, so you think God's got a hand. God don't have a hand. He's a spirit. But the Bible says the right hand of God 
delivered them out of Egypt. What's he saying? God's saying this. Hand speaks of authority and power. And he's saying symbolically, I came in not literally with a hand, but I brought them out. There's a reason I'm on this this morning. Just trust me. He's trying to show you and I that even though you and I don't understand it, even though I can't figure out what living water is, even though I don't understand what the purpose is, there's something more that God's doing that I might not can see. And the need is causing him to come to where you and I and give us a visitation that we've never seen before. I'm telling somebody here today, you've got a need and your need is causing Jesus to come where you are. You may be in the middle of a battle. You may be in the middle of confusion. You may be in the middle of hopelessness and frustration. But rest assured, God is coming to your need to help you in your trouble and help you in your situation whether you're black, white, Asian, Puerto Rican it don't matter what you are God can come where you are wherever the need is wherever the need is there he will go but before you get into your need I want to talk about his need Because the Bible said he needs to go. First of all, God don't have a need. I know what the word said, but God's God. He is sovereign. He's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent God. He don't need nothing. He don't derive his power like Lucifer or you and I from other things. He's sovereign. Means he's all powerful by himself. He don't depend on GE. He don't depend on Burgard Electric. He don't depend on you. And he don't depend on... He's sovereign in his power. He is the source of all power. So if I know a God is sovereign and he don't need nothing, but yet it said he needs... It's anthropomorphic. It's basically saying, I'm trying to show you God ain't some elusive deity out here. He's trying to show you and I how to identify. He's not something way out here in eternity that he don't hear your prayer, that he don't know what you're going through. That God's just some fairy tale, mystical wish, throw some dust and maybe God will move. But God knows exactly where you are because he understands need. Even though he don't need the need, he understands need. Even though he don't need me. He don't need me, Brother Will. You hear me? I could die tomorrow and there'll be another pulpit and there'll be another preacher in that pulpit. He don't need me. And the day I get in trouble is thinking that God needs me. Well, God needs me. God needs my preaching ability because I'm so good. God needs my money because I'm so rich. God needs me because I'm so good looking. Come on, I'm trying to reel some of y'all in. Y'all ain't cracked the front. Your mouth's like, come on, somebody. I need. God's trying to show you and I. He don't need nothing. But his purpose has to be fulfilled. He did not have to go to that woman. There were thousands of other Samaritan women. Why did he pick? Did anybody ever wonder why her? Why did he pick your family? 
Why did he pick the Bushnell family or the Savall family or the Benoit family or the Markintel family or the, the Young family? Why did he pick you? Why did he pick the cotton gins? But he picked your mama. Why? Because God has got a need. Is that making sense? When I say he got a need, he don't have a need, but he's got a need. He's got a purpose that he's got to fulfill. God don't need me, but he's got to fulfill his purpose. And the purpose dictates him doing things that are unconventional. Oh, somebody needs to hear me right now. He does the unconventional, Brother Larry, where we got God in a box and we got him in our little religious circle. We got him in our denominational circle and God's going to do this and God's going to do that. You don't have a clue what God's going to do. God can do whatever he chooses to do as long as you and I get along with his purpose. And he goes, Bible said he had a knee or he must needs. One translation says it like this, Sister Agnes. Out of necessity, not need. See, when you begin to study the Word of God, you begin to learn really what you're reading ain't what you're reading. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. We got a lot of people that just read the book typographically and they'll just say, well, uh, there's only one scripture where you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, so therefore that's it. You just read one scripture. You need to read all the other eight that says baptized in the name of Jesus. You're taking one and building a doctrine when God's saying, I got multiplicity of things that confirms it and my word never contradicts itself. Study to show yourself approved. It means by necessity, I got to go to Samaria. It's not so much as a need as it is. I have to go. Here's the thing that just shocks me about it. That was not the normal travel route. The normal travel route was on the east side of the Jordan River. And they went up the river on the east side and never crossed through Samaria. Not only because it was a bunch of Gentile dogs, the Samaritans, people that the Jews thought they were better than and could not associate themselves with. He said, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go the route that's not most traveled. That should give somebody hope right now. You think you're off the grid and God don't know where you are, but God's willing to take a detour in some things because there's purpose on your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You just need to rest assured. There's a visitation coming your way and God will take whatever detour he needs to take to get the answer to you that your need is met in the midst of your storm. You're not alone. God said, I need to go to Samaria. And he took a different route. It's normal. I've heard people say this so many times. God don't know where I am. No, you don't know where you are. I'm going to say that one more time because that's just good. God knows where you are. You don't know where you are. Let me prove it to you. Watch. Genesis chapter 2, 3, 4. Adam and Eve. 
He walks in the cool of the garden with Adam. Friends together. Adam sins. Violates God's commandment. And the next thing you know, Adam's hiding and he's got palm tree branches covering himself because he's all naked. And God comes down and says, where are you, Adam? Now, if God's omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, God knew where Adam was. It was a rhetorical question. God's not asking it literally, Brother Charlie. Where are you, Adam? Like God's on a mission and God's clueless. I lost you, Adam, in the midst of the junk. Let me tell somebody, God can't lose you. You get lost. God can't lose you. You get lost. You get lost in life. You get lost in the world. You get lost in emotional highs and lows and ups and downs, and you get lost. But God don't ever lose you. He cannot leave where you are. God always is present where you are. The only place God will never be where you are is when eternity comes and God forbid you're in hell. He will not hang out with you there. So he said, Adam, where are you? God was trying to get Adam, Brother Dale. God knew where he was, but he had to get Adam to see Where he was. He had to get Adam to realize. His positional relationship in God. Had grown. Sin had separated him from God. That's why a lot of people. Man man, I don't feel God. Then search your heart. Because the Bible says there is no condemnation to them that walk after the spirit. There should be. Thy heart condemn thee. If there's something in your heart. That's the only thing can separate you. Brother Sean. From the presence of... And really God's still there. You just can't see Him because that veil of darkness has masked it. And you can't see that God's there. This is that Samaritan woman. This is her. She's been married five times. And the one she's living with, she ain't even... It ain't even your husband, he said. She couldn't even see what was in front of her, a visit by the King of glory. How many church services, Micah, have we come to but because of our religiosities, our traditions, our mindset, the same pew, I do the same thing over and over and over. And God's saying, because you're habitually in a rut, you can't even see there's a visit of God to meet your need and fix your problem. He's here. Well, I can't see him. He's still here because he didn't compromise his omnipresence when he became manifested in the flesh. He was the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. He was fully God in a coat of flesh. It wasn't a number two of a, de- of, a, of a Godhead. It was one God manifested in the flesh and he didn't compromise his omnipresence. He just manifested himself in a different way. And this little lady... Don't even realize that Jesus took a detour to help her out. See, when you think you're at your worst, he's still reaching for you. I don't know about y'all, but that helps this preacher. 
because y'all think I got it all together. This Sister, Day, Sister Gail, there's days I'm at my worst, but I know this is sure. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll stay with me in the end. I might not say it right. I might not act it right. I might not talk it right, but I know one thing is sure. If I can find my way to an altar and the blood of the Lamb can cover me, I can be redeemed and restored back to my relationship with Him. And Jesus must necessitate a visit that was off the path. See, that gives me hope, Sister Kim, because we get so mechanical. It got to be just like this, or bless God, God can't. That's why I told our musicians, you sing whatever you want. Sing. Sing unto the Lord. Why? If we believe that the will of God can be stopped by one song. Oh, I just hit a nerve right there. Y'all know, I'm telling you, don't ever go silent. Shout, fake it, or lie. Because you just revealed to me right there. God. He's trying to show you and I. He can work. I've been to some churches, Sister Ashley. Sister Lisa. Brother Brian. Their music. I'm not musically inclined. Seriously, if you sing off, I wouldn't know it. But that day, I knew it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. It was horrible. I'm telling you, I could have did better than that. I'll fly away, oh glory. I could have did better than what they did, what you just heard. Do you know? Here's the difference, Brother Mike. Those people in that church were so hungry. They didn't care the song. They didn't care. They just wanted God. Here, and watch. Wait, wait, wait. Watch this. Their hunger and need brought a visitation. We think it's all in the preaching and it's all in the singing and those things help. I thank God for our good preaching and our good singing. But you need to hear me. If it ain't where it needs to be, you just rest assured. If the need's there, you're going to still get a visitation by God. If you stay hungry for the things of God, we've lost the hunger. But I want to stay hungry because Jesus is willing to make a detour for you and I. He's willing to go around some things to get where you and I to meet the need. He knows you're fearful. He knows you're worried. He knows you don't know what to do. But if you trust him, he's able to make a way where there is no way. See, it's a way that was not conducive. That's why I wonder. This is me. He sent the disciples away. Now watch me. This this is just this may be just for me. He knew that them old disciples were gonna come to him and say, You can't do that, preacher. You can't do that, Jesus. You can't go to Samaria. 
Somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost today. You can't do that. Jesus has got a greater purpose that you can't see. Rebellion stems from somebody thinking they got more knowledge than God. And I wonder if Jesus didn't send those disciples away because he knew they were going to come together and say, you can't do that. So Jesus says, I'm going to take you who has no vision, no belief for the mind of the Spirit, and I'm going to send you it away. Watch what he said. What is, go get meat. Did it not? What's meat? Tangible, carnal. He's saying, you disciples are carnal. You don't have the mind of the Spirit, so I'm going to send you away and go feed your belly because you can't see what I'm trying to do. The dangerous place to be, Brother Wade, is to think you know more than God. And here's what God's going to do. He will send you away and let you indulge in carnal activity because he's got a purpose for that Samaritan. And those disciples couldn't even see it. How many times has God brought people in our churches and we can't see it? We look at their past. We look at what they were. We look at the things that they've gone through and we say, God can never do the work. You may tell you what God's going to do. God's going to blind you and send you off. Busy on other little errands and jobs that'll distract you from the real purpose of God because you can't handle it. Oh, I'm feeling something prophetic in this place right now. It just shifted too. You felt it. I'll do something because you can't handle what I'm about to do. Your appetite is carnal. So I'm going to sin because I had to make a detour. Because I got a little lady that everybody said she's a prostitute. She's worthless. She don't mean anything. She's had five husbands. And furthermore, she's a Samaritan. And Jesus said, there's a need. There's a need. He's attracted to the need. It don't matter how far you've gone in sin. It doesn't, I say it don't matter. It does matter in God's economy. But you need to hear me. God can take care of that. He can take care of the sin. He can take care of the hopelessness. He can take care of it all. What do you say when God decides to take a detour and reach for somebody that you and I think ain't reachable? What do you let God do what he wants to do? Dale, that's what makes you so special. World gives up. World gives up. They'd have gave up on me, Micah, my old aunt. She kept praying. She kept praying. She kept praying. And I kept getting worse and worse and worse. God never stopped. And when nobody else really gave me the time of day, God gave me the time of day. And God made a detour. I wanted to go to LSU and be a doctor. And God says, no, you're not. You're going to go to McNeese. I was too ignorant then. I didn't even know it. It was God that gave me that scholarship. We thought it was this. uh, No, it was God. Because if I'd have went to LSU and I'd have did everything I wanted to, that scholarship kept me in Lake Charles, which kept me with Brother Ewing. 
God did a detour. Did I like it? No. Did I understand it? No. But I know this is sure. God saw where I was. I was in sin. I was on the edge. I was stuff I should have never been doing. But yet God said, I'll tell you what. I found you just like I found that Samaritan. And I'm going to raise you up. That's why I believe in the end time. God's going to find people that you and I may have given up on. And God's going to do a detour. And he's going to reach for them. And he's going to help them. So he sent his disciples away, Brother Langley. And many times God will send people away that can't receive his work. I'm talking about, when I say send people, I'm talking about saints, preachers, us, saved folk. He didn't send the multitudes away that were lost. He sent his faithful twelve the ones that should have been there to partake of the greatest miracle of all. I said this a couple Sundays ago. Let me say it again for our visitors. Samaritans were half Assyrian, half Jew. They had a form of godly, but they were pagan in their heart. And the Jews hated them. That was a Samaritan. They, the Bible says they were like Gentiles. They were dogs. And for Jesus to go into the Samaritan village of Sychonar was major faux pas, whatever that means you don't do that so what he did those disciples should have been a part of the work of God at a very critical moment what if God is trying to do a a work in me and you Dale Yet God, one of the greatest fears I've ever had. And I've prayed this. I pray this every day. God, let it not be said of you that you cannot for me because I cannot. I'm going to explain it. Don't let it be said of you that you cannot do the miracle for me that I need because I cannot be trusted. But let it be said of you, you can Because you can trust me with. What is it that God's wanting to do? But yet we may be like the disciples. And he says, I got to send you away because I can't trust you. You can't keep your mouth closed. You can't keep your. I want to tell you things. It's going to take a personal moment between me and you. But I can't do the work in your life because you're going to quickly get distracted. When really there's some things that God does, Brother Mark and tell, that he's done for me, I've told nobody. Because it's personal. It's between me and him. And I wonder sometimes if we don't lose the, the impetus of the testimony, Brother Joe, of what God's doing because we tell too much that we shouldn't. I don't know, maybe that's what the disciples were. Maybe they were looking for Jesus to set up the kingdom like Peter thought he was going to do. And they were going to be the right hands. And they were going to be there. And they were going to be some high potentate with Jesus. Powerful people. They were hungry for power. I don't know. Regardless, he said, go on and get some meat. Leave. 
Because what I'm going to do in the spirit, you're not going to agree with. I can't get off of it today. I feel to tell somebody so strongly. Just let God do what he wants to do. Don't try to control it. Don't try to figure it out. Just pray fast. Read the word of God. Be faithful. Do what you know to do. That when the time comes, God can say, there's a need and I can trust them. And now I can meet the need and do the miracle. So he sends them away and he sits on the well. The Bible says it's 6 o'clock. It's normal protocol for the day. It's normal for them to come out. I go back to my original question. Why did God, Sister Markendale, pick her? Was it because her life was the first? I don't know. I'd love to ask Jesus. Get to heaven. These are one of the questions. Why did you pick her? What about all those others? But he sits on the well. And the conversation begins. And watch her struggle. He says... I want to give you living water. If you knew who you're asking, basically, I'm God. And I'm ready to do something in you. The living water was the spirit of God living in her that she had not had yet. She hadn't had the Holy Ghost yet. She hadn't talked in tongues yet. There was law dispensation. And he's coming to her, setting the stage for what's coming down the road. Because down the road, the door was going to be open to the Gentiles. And he was trying to prepare people. Where the need was. It don't matter how low people are. I can still reach them. And he said, if you only knew who I am, you wouldn't be. And watch her next statement was. But the well is deep. And I ain't got nothing to draw. You know what she just said? This living water stuff you're talking about? I ain't got a clue. See, it's not always bad coming to church and not having a clue. She didn't either. She immediately reverts to the well that's right in front of her. And she said, I, and watch, she starts excuses. I ain't got nothing to draw water. It's very deep. It's like 130 feet deep. Jacob's well. I can't, I can't pull this out. And many times, the first thing God comes to you and I with He speaks symbolically. He speaks of these things supernaturally to just see, can you have enough faith to reach for it? Now watch, she didn't, but he never stopped because the need is greater than your ability. Even though you don't understand, move where God's getting you to move. Because he says, If you only knew what this was, and she responds back, hey, this is a deep well. I ain't got nothing to pull out of this thing with. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he says, I could have titled this one, A Well Sitting on a Well. Because he was the well of living water. What he had, he wanted to give her down the road. But she's still thinking in natural terms, trying to satisfy her own desire. I need natural water. He's saying, this water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Folks, I don't know about you. Come on, look, I'm closing. Musicians, y'all come. Because they they ain't going to believe me. Y'all just kind of get up there and y'all get ready. I'm closing. I don't understand living water. Maybe you a theologian, you do. I don't. 
if I would have been presented, Sister Alma, with what? Here's what I, she was so low in her life. She couldn't perceive the thing that God was trying to offer her. Has anybody ever been so low in your faith and belief that even God knows where you are? That when the preacher preaches, you have a hard time even wrapping your hand around it. Then I'm preaching to you today. She was so low, Brother Wade. I don't damn her. I don't condemn her. I don't even for the five husbands. She has had a hard life. What do you expect? But Jesus, who's so kind, keeps reaching even in her excuses. I can't get it. I don't have nothing deep. It's too deep. I don't have nothing. We find every reason. And all Jesus is saying, if you'll drink of this water I'm talking about, all she had to do was say, give me some. That's it. He didn't ask for a dimension of the well. He didn't ask for a whole list of what's not right in her life. He knew the well was deep. He knew she didn't have nothing to draw with. He knew all of that. All it took was her acknowledging the need brought the visit. Because in her life, she was looking for answers. And she couldn't find them, Brother Mike. And Jesus is saying, you can fill yourself with natural water. Let me bring it where we are. You can buy a new truck. You can buy a new home. You can buy, 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 buy. And it'll never fill the void that's in your heart and your spirit. But if you ever drink of Holy Ghost water, if you ever drink of a baptism of the Holy Ghost, you ain't never going to be changed. That depression won't stay. That darkness won't stay. That unbelief won't stay. Those suicidal thoughts won't stay. If you ever get a drink of living water, you'll find joy like you've never found before you'll find joy I hear somebody saying right there well I once lived for God I once had the Holy Ghost and I didn't experience any of that here's why you never completely sold out to him I sold out to him you can ask her And when I backslid after the first year and a half, it was because I didn't sell out to him. But after God filled me again, Micah, that's why I preach like I preach. Because I know Scott. And if I don't hit this thing wide open with everything I have, I I can't stop. Because I'm afraid if I stop, See, even me, the preacher, watch me. I'm going to help somebody right here. Even me is in spiritual maturity. There's things in me that's got to grow. I'm not perfect. I think, man, bless God, you're the preacher. You got it off. No. I just keep hungering for him. And I know if I keep hungering for him, needing him. That little lady, she did it. He called her out on her five marriages and the one you're living with is not right. He called her out on it. He said, you can't keep doing that, which is a route to God. You, you, you got to get honest. 
you got to realize, okay, God, if I'm going to come to you and drink of this water, I got to get honest and say, okay, you know what, God, I got to quit doing what I'm doing. I got to put the Jack Daniels down. I need to put the cigarettes down. I need to put the vaping down. I need to put all that down. And I need to do what's right. Just get honest. And he said, if you'll get honest, I can meet a need in you that those five husbands couldn't meet. Ooh. That's the whole reason she went from relation. That's why many people, they're looking for something. And when God said, I'm the only one that can feel that. And when you let him feel that, you don't go from this to this to this. I got to buy this. I got to get that. I got to do this. I got to do that. When you let him feel it, he said, contentment is great gain. When you learn contentment in living for God. And finally, he said, you're going to worship in the mountain. And that's another, I can go another hour on that. But finally, the woman says, come see a man which told me everything. She got the revelation of the oneness. Verse 26, he goes, I am. Brother Larry, he said, I am. So in all of this, she got her heart right. She got a revelation of how far she was from God. He didn't damn her, condemn her. He reached for her. And in all of that, she got a revelation that he was the mighty God in Christ. That he was Jehovah of the Old Testament manifested in the, the flesh. And when she got the revelation, Brother Charlie, the Bible says she told everybody. My question today to some is this. Who have you told lately? Her mouth being open was a reflection of her experience with Christ. So if my mouth ain't open and I ain't telling people about it, I question the experience you got. I question whether you got the Holy Ghost. Because the whole city came when they heard her report. Everybody stand. I'm there. John chapter 7. Where is it? Brother Mike, Brother Bushnell. John chapter 7, verse 48. Listen. I remember off the top of my head. I don't remember it. John chapter 7. Verse 37. Real fast, it's the Lord. In the last day, great feast of Israel, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. You want to know what all the symbolism about the water's about? God gives you the answer in the next verse. He that believeth on me. Hold on. Everybody said, If I just believe in Jesus, I'm saved. That's not what the scripture says. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. As the scripture said. Make sure you didn't stop. You better make sure you continue what the rest of the scripture says. Believing is one step. That's a good step. But you got to keep on going. Next verse. He going to tell you what believing is. That's in parentheses. But this spake he believing. Spake he of the spirit. Which they that believe should receive. If you believe. There should be a receiving of the Holy Ghost. And the book of Acts says, To him that believeth shall be saved. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's a sign that you believe the Word of God and you speak in other tongues. If you want living water, you can't just say, I believe. you got to continue in the Word of God and let it flow out of you now as a river out of your belly. So is there anybody today... You just need a little visitation from the Lord. You just 
God to help you. Maybe you're struggling with something. The answer is, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God will give it to you today. And I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to cry on you. We're not going to shake you, spit on you. You know what? It's too good of a gift for me to beg you. I don't believe that. If you want the gift of the Holy Ghost, essential for salvation, God will give it to you. But if you don't, that's your choice. And hey, God be with you, God speak. But to those today that's got a need, I want you to lift your hand, step out of that pew, and say, God, I need you today. Now, come on, somebody. I know it's half the building right now. People should have already stepped out. You got sons and daughters that are lost. You got a need. God's ready to take a detour for you and come where you are. Come on, lift your voice. Talk to him right now.